Bonfires burning bright Pumpkin faces in the night I remember Halloween Dead cats hanging from poles Little dead around in droves I remember Halloween Brown leaf vertigo With skeleton life is known I remember Halloween this day Anything goes Burning bodies hanging from poles I remember Halloween Big show tonight. We're gonna have uh, the Wolfman from Monster Squad. Mm-hmm. Carl, I'm not sure how to pronounce his last name. I think it's the Balt. We'll ask him beforehand so I don't uh, mispronounce it when we <laughs> introduce him. So we don't seem like too bad of an idiot. Right. So if, if you want, got anybody wants to call in uh, during the show, it's five zero eight six four four eight five zero three. Or if you're on our Skype, you can uh, Skype us on there. Mm-hmm. You need to Skype uh, Jack. Jacking off. Jack. <laughs> oh, my God. <laughs> all, uh, one, all one word. How inappropriate. <laughs> <laughs> but anyhow. Yeah. Um, Troy, I actually checked out your uh, Sweeney Todd movie. Oh, you did? Yes, yes. What'd I you think, enjoyed John? it. I, I liked I, it. I I'm, surprised, I'm surprised I've never really, like... I know you've... Uh, told me the story before, but like mm-hmm. you're the first that I've heard from. Uh, and uh, I don't know, it's a re- it's pretty uh pretty grim story there, really. It's gonna freak you out though when when the new one comes out next year, the um the Johnny Depp one, because it's a musical. See, when I first encountered Sweeney, it was with the musical, and then I saw like you know some more serious ones later. Mm-hmm. So you're going to be on the other end of the spectrum. The musical might just freak you out. It will be like, wait a second. Yeah, it'll be more of a, you think it's going to be more of a comedy. Yeah. Plus it's, yeah. um, you know, uh, Johnny Depp and uh, who's the director? Oh, is it Burton again? Yeah, um, yeah, yeah. Burton. Tim Burton, you know, and he's uh, he's mostly makes pretty uh, strange out there movies. Yeah. I don't know. I always thought with his Sleepy Hollow it could have been a lot better because... You know, that's just a classical story. And right. I don't know. It just it And it really like fits it him like, because he's kind of a dark guy. Yeah. It seemed like it, it was good, but it like seemed like it could have been like so much better. But I don't know. Maybe 
who knows what happened there. But yeah, the Sweeney Todd movie though, that was a who who played Sweeney Todd in this one? So people know who we're talking about or what year it was. Uh, Ray Winston. Okay. Yeah. yeah. It was just recently. It was uh, made for BBC. Mm-hmm. Yeah, just this year. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, a lot of people might think it's made for TV, so it might not be uh, gory. It might not have, like, uh, you know, it might be kind of tame or whatever, but that's that's not the case at all. It's, uh, you know, this could have been a theatrical movie. It's well made. Uh, it's, really well, well it's Yeah, it's an adult movie. I mean, I don't think a movie has to just have, like, uh, no. a bunch of blood flow or whatever, but... uh. You know, there was blood in this movie, and there was uh, mm-hmm. there was sex, and there was uh, it was good stuff. I kind of hate that surrounding horror movies that you gotta have like a bunch of gore. I think that's kind of a. I mean, you know, you look at like Psycho, and that only has like you know the blood going down the drain on on the shower scene. I mean, and a lot of people would say that's definitely a horror movie you know mm-hmm. but uh, then again it gets also another label of like uh being a suspense movie not not necessarily a horror movie i don't know why people like to uh try to separate so, them yeah i don't know why no, yeah, to me a, a, movie, a good movie's a good movie you really don't have to label it mm-hmm. but th- right. there are people who who um you know if it's made for tv they might think it's kind of uh you know it's tame or it doesn't it's not the same as like a theatrical movie but uh this one definitely is. Nah, so mm-hmm. wasn't you know some of the Stephen King ones like it. Oh, I really enjoy some of the Stephen King mini like uh, series, uh, like uh, the uh, what was the one that was out uh, the Perfect Storm or well what no oh, not yeah. the Perfect yeah. Storm of Century that's what it was Storm of the Century, not yeah. Perfect Storm I was in the Wahlberg movie <laughs> <laughs> that uh, Wolfgang film uh, whatever but. Uh, <laughs> Yeah, I, I, I really enjoyed guy. that one. I know Neil wasn't a yeah. big fan of it as much as uh, we were, but uh, I don't know. Well, all the ones I've seen, yeah, all the TV ones, like... um, I liked it up until the ending. Even then, yeah. I don't know. I was, no, I really hated the ending. and I don't know. I, was, I wasn't into the movie as much as uh, you two guys were. And I thought The Stand wasn't, wasn't too swinging either. Oh, really? I've never really yeah. seen The Stand, but... Uh, the uh, storm of century. I'd have to agree. Whenever it gets around to the ending, I thought it got a little, a little ee, you know. I enjoyed the ending. I thought it was cool, but like it was just, it was a little like much. It ended abruptly to the uh, the stand. It kind of went right to the big explosion. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it seemed like it was real. You know, it was uh, had good pacing, and then at the end, it kind of just went right to the ending. Like it could have had like another uh, episode or two. A big explosion. Well, that's what- Cloud That's what they should have done. They should have, like, if you wanted to keep everything that was in the book, because the book's just so massive, mm-hmm. it, they would have been better suited to make it, like, another week. You know, and they could have easily. Mm-hmm. But, you know, then again, maybe the, the station didn't want it, you know, to be uh, two yeah. weeks long. That's mm-hmm. true. They could have done the same thing with um with it as well. It could have gone on. Mm-hmm. You know, it. I, I didn't like the the ending of it the first time I watched it. I thought it was a letdown. And but the, when I watch it again after that, I mean, I really like the ending. I think the problem is it's so much build up, and it's you know basically a giant spider. I kind of think it'd be better if you didn't if you didn't even see it and it was left to your imagination. Because I, to me, I kind of think what Pennywise is is whatever uh, scares you the most. Right. Not necessarily the same thing to everybody. Hmm. Hmm. Yeah, they, they're a little more like they're a little clearer on that in the book, you know, mm-hmm. around 
you know, pe- different people seem as different things. It's, it's kind of a theme like King likes a lot. You, you see that a lot with his stuff. Mm-hmm. Plus, you do a lot with with the kids and making a pact, and then kind of coming back when they're adults. He um the the new book I, I'm probably about halfway through it. Blaze. Mm-hmm. Um, so far, it, it's definitely not a horror one. It's it's more of like a thriller type. It, oh, okay. Um, I'm not crazy about it so far. I gotta admit. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I don't know. You heard a lot of rumors about Stephen King actually announcing that he was going to retire. That might have been a couple of years back when that was going around. But I don't know. Is that kind of like pushed to the uh, wayside now, or is like has he pretty much changed his mind so. on that? I think it was because of his eyes. He was like um, he had some kind of like uh, some kind of eye disease. He was going to go blind, and I think like they since figured out how to correct it. Mm-hmm. Maybe mm-hmm. you get the laser. Could have but been. yeah, you can't really be an author and be blind, I don't think. That would be tough. Yeah. You know, so in in um in Monster Squad, uh the the leader of the squad, the kid, he he wears a uh Stephen King rules uh T shirt. <laughs> That's true. That's Very appropriate. <laughs> mm-hmm. And uh, and when the specials, when they they have like interviews with all the people, and uh, in the background they've got like a Stephen King a uh, sweatshirt, like mm-hmm. a Stephen King rule sweatshirt hanging behind the kid while he's talking. Well, he's no longer a kid now; he's a grown man. Oh. Mhm. Uh, I'd really recommend anybody uh, uh picking up the movie. Well, you know, I didn't actually realize until I was watching the uh, the specials, but it wasn't a hit. It was, was kind of oh, really? you know it, it didn't do well at the box office, but. It, uh, you know, the people that did see it loved it, and then slowly it really uh, it gained like a cult following. Mm-hmm. And now, you know, it's yeah. Oh yeah, I, I, mean, I went for, to see this kid. It hasn't been released on DVD for you know for well, up until now, and uh, mm-hmm. I was, people were still just always clamoring for it. You know, where's the Monster Squad DVD? You know, you'd always right. you'd always hear it, and you'd be like, "Geez, they really need to release that one," and they finally <laughs> done it. So. Mm-hmm. Uh, I don't know. It is weird because they release some like TV shows that lasted one season. They'll put that on a DVD. Oh, yeah. They'll put out a show that's uh, as soon as it's over. Basically, they'll put it right on DVD. You know, as soon as mm-hmm. the season's over, or, or movies you never heard of, but movie that had some kind of fall, and you think uh, they would release it on DVD. Yeah, definitely. I, I got to admit, I really enjoyed the movie though because I didn't know who'd lip up because I had heard so much about it. A lot of people, you know, there were a lot of. Like, well, Neil, for one, you know, everybody was telling me, oh, it's such a good movie. Mm-hmm. And I had heard about it, but I'd never seen it until today. I watched it for the first time, and I, I, I really enjoyed it. I liked it a lot. Yeah, I was like, since I was a kid, I, you know, I went to see it when it came out, which I think I, I must have been 11 from uh, the day it came out. It came out in uh, 87. And mm-hmm. uh, I, th- I think it was the first movie I ever saw without, like, any grown-ups. And I went to see it with my friend Paul. And uh, his sister Jennifer, which you know, uh, Troy knows, grew up with, and um, you know, his dad took us there and dropped us off. So I think it was the first time I ever went to see a movie without any uh, grown-ups there. Yeah. What was it rated? It was probably I don't know. Did they have PG thirteen at the time? I oh, believe not. they maybe did. It uh, <laughs> wasn't like Raiders of the Lost Ark, one of the uh, not Raiders, but uh, Temple of Doom, like the first PG thirteen. So it was either PG or PG thirteen. I've actually never been asked for ID and going into a movie. <laughs> I yeah, was know. actually turned away from going to uh, Speed 
Really? The Keanu Reeves film. I was yeah, trying to get into speed. Good. They were looking out for you. And the crazy <laughs> thing is, I mean, I, I used to go see R-rated movies all the time when I was, uh, you know, between like 13 and 16, and you, you weren't supposed to, but I, you know, it was, I always went. I'd always rent the R-rated movies from my from the video store. But recently, I mean, probably like two or three months ago, when I, I was buying a DVD from, from Walmart, and they actually asked me for ID. <laughs> and now I'm 31 years old. And they're asking me ID for buying like an R-rated movie. I remember I was trying to pick scene. up uh, GoldenEye on VHS, and I was uh, carded then, and I actually couldn't buy it because I was a, I was a year shy. And I, <laughs> oh man! I had to have I had to have my brother go buy it for me. But oh, uh, that's pretty bad. But yeah, yeah, Walmart was kind of doing a big kick on that for a while, just trying mm-hmm. to. But now I hardly I don't get I don't get carded too much anymore but i mean i don't know i mean if it's like the credit card kind of thing that's a it's a good deal that they're carding you on that because you don't want people going around using your credit card right well this is more just because of the rating yeah the age thing that's (laughs) right that seems a little strange but you know of course this uh troy and i have been carded recently you know when we've gone out uh to eat we've got a drink it's true. It's true. And I'm five months away from being 40. <laughs> he couldn't have a drink at, uh, at, uh, was it Joe's? Not your average oh, Joe's? Yeah, this was, a, this yeah. was what, uh, probably about four or five months ago. You he didn't have his ID know. and they, w- they wouldn't give him his, uh, yeah. they wouldn't serve him. <laughs> so, so Neil teased me with, with a tantalizing drink of some kind, you know, you had some kind of like, Big fruity drink. And yeah, I will. I, I will say the the last time we went to went to that place, the drink actually even embarrassed me. And anybody knows me, you know, I always get the big fruity drinks. This one was like it was like a, a pink. It was real tall glass, like a foot tall, and it was pink with uh, fruit sticking out of the top and like an umbrella. <laughs> yeah, I think it had like half like a, a pineapple on it and everything. Kind of yeah, and the drink itself was pink. I was like, oh my yeah. god. And it was like a flaming thing. It was yeah. Crazy. I don't mind like the fluorescent, uh, like a, a blue or a green or mm-hmm. I don't know that big pink drink at the table. That was a little embarrassing. At the <laughs> well, it's like when you're a kid, you're uh, you kind of like the pink popsicle, but you're just like, no, don't give me the pink popsicle. I want <laughs> I want purple or red. <laughs> <laughs> but if you're at home at home by yourself, then then you'd always go for the right. pink one. Your brother watching. No, I'm not eating the pink one. I was doing one that's left. Yeah, like, but there's a whole box of <laughs> this damn pink one, and just throw in the trash. <laughs> well, tonight we are celebrating the release of Monster Squad on DVD, and uh, we're about to get a guest on here, uh, Neil. Yes, we are. So uh, we better go to break, mm-hmm. and we'll be back. We'll have uh, Carl, for, who played the Wolfman in Monster Squad. The 20th anniversary DVD is out now. Mm-hmm. And if you want to call in, the number is 508-644-8503 or Skype us. Okie dokie. We'll be right back. Okie dokie. I probably shouldn't use that one. Yeah. You don't like okie dokie? We'll be back, children. <laughs> better not laugh, because then people think it's in the show. All right, y'all go to withoutyourhead.com. I'll come over there and put my boot up in your ass. All right, we are back. We want to welcome Carl Tebow to uh, Without Your Head. Welcome to the show. Uh, thank you. Yep, did I pronounce the name right? Uh, sure did. All right. That is an I pronounce it. <laughs> <laughs> well, everybody know, um, if you don't know, he played the Wolfman in the Monster Squad, and he also has a new movie out, his first movie that he's written and directed, The Garage, which we'll talk about. 
Uh, Monster Squad was just released on DVD Tuesday. Um, have you have you got a chance to see the 20th anniversary of the DVD? No, in fact, I just I ordered it um, on uh, Amazon.com, and uh, it was actually you know it's number five right now, but it was actually rated number three yesterday. It's like been doing incredible. I think they sold out too. They uh, said that there's no more copies available till August second. Wow. So yeah, it's, I guess it's it's doing pretty well. Mm-hmm. It's got a, yeah, it's got a got a pretty big following. Yeah, I pre-ordered it off uh, Amazon myself. I got it Wednesday. Yeah. When, when did, I was really happy with it. Cause I went to see it when I was a kid. I actually, when I was 11. Hope that doesn't make you feel old. I went, I went uh, to well. see it. <laughs> well, see, I, I was 10 years old when I played the wolf. Oh, all right. Very, That's I all right. Was very, I was very mature, and that was one of the reasons they hired me. Yeah. So you can never tell because I'm under the I'm under all that fur. You'll never know how old I really was. You know? <laughs> exactly. So uh, yeah, I was surprised. Um, you know when I when I heard that it was coming out on DVD, I didn't even realize it never was out on DVD. Yeah, I, it's, um, it's been uh, it's been in a long time waiting. I, I go on that message board every once in a while for Monster Squad, you know, IMDb, mm-hmm. and uh, and they've been talking about it for years. Well, when did you like realize that it really had uh, like a cult falling behind it? Um, you know, I mean, I think I knew that there was a lot of, you know, um, I think it did because it didn't do really well when it came out theatrically. It just, I think it was only out for two weeks. I think it grossed six million and the budget was 13 and they pulled it. And not like that, they released it in August, which is never a good month for releasing. They, you know, usually where they dump a lot of stuff. So, mm-hmm. um, so it didn't do that. It didn't do that well at all. And I thought it could have done better if they'd released it maybe in October, you know. Mm-hmm. But uh, but who am I, <laughs> you know? And but it it did it did much better on uh, when it came out on uh, VHS and video rentals and stuff like that. And then you know I started getting you know some people every once in a while you know so, you know sending stuff to me wanting me to sign things and and that kind of died down for a while. And then it just started resurging in the last like I'd say in the last four years, three or four years, started getting more and more. Mm-hmm. And then in the last year, I think somebody told somebody else and they told somebody and it's like, I got this whole slew of people sending me stuff. And I was like, oh, okay. <laughs> you tell me. Yeah, I said, oh yeah, because they'd send me a small little photo and I'd, I had these other photos, these 8 by 10 glossies that I had. And right. I'd, I'd, I'd throw one of those in with them too, you know. Mm-hmm. So I had the cat, the cat out of the bag thing, they started telling oh yeah, he'll, he'll send you a good 8 by 10 <laughs> You think, but I'm not. But I'm not anymore. I ran out. No. Oh, all right. <laughs> You're just gonna get a whole bunch yeah. more. Right, right. Uh, do you think like the internet uh, kind of helped um, kind of helped to grow like the following of the movie because a lot of people could talk on the internet and get the word out about the movie, then other people would see it and find other people that really liked the movie. I think it's. I really think it's because a lot of people grew up with it, you know, and they saw. It, and it's 20 years ago. And you're talking to a guy who's very nostalgic. In fact, the film that I, you know, when I told you that I wrote and directed is about a man reflecting on his life. And it's, you know, I'm a very, I'm a very nostalgic person. Mm-hmm. And I think that the Monster Squad has that, has that, you know, um, it, you know, with, with its fan base. I think they grew up with it and they're at that age now where they even have their kids now. And, you know, so, and it's a good kid movie. I mean, it really is. It's, um, you know, it's not mm-hmm. too, you know, and you think uh, it? I think a part of it too. It's not. It's not really a kiddie movie, though. So you know, no, it's good they, for adults yeah. too. I mean, I think back then, it, it, you know, that it, um, you know, had a little bit of, 
you know, stuff in it. But uh, I still think it's pretty, you know, pretty tame compared to a lot of the stuff that's that's out there, you know. But they, you know, they got they got some nice stuff in there too that. Mm-hmm. You know, uh, what's PG thirteen? I guess you know. Yeah, we were at, we were uh, asking that uh, before we brought you on here. Is that one? Was that rated PG thirteen? Uh huh. Oh, okay. Is that, I, I believe it was the first movie I went to see without without any grown-ups around, and I was 11. So uh, they, I guess they let me in. <laughs> Snuck by the radar on that one. <laughs> old for 11. I guess so. And, uh, we were talking earlier because we heard them barking in the background that you actually have some wolf dogs. Yeah, I've got a whole wolf thing going on. <laughs> After the Monster Squad, I bought my first house actually in 1990, which I guess three years after the film came out in. And I was looking through the paper one day. My brother and I bought this house together at the time, and we were going to get a dog for the first time. And I'd seen in the paper, it said hybrid wolf pups. And I go, now that sounds really interesting. <laughs> so I got I got this guy on Christmas Eve, um, 1990, and uh, had him for 14 years. And uh, and actually bred him with another, uh, another friend of mine, had a hybrid wolf dog as well. And we bred... Uh, then when they were like, right when my guy was 10 years old, and I got picked of the litter, and I've got I've got him now. He's seven years old, and then I bought a hybrid wolf uh, dog back in '95. I bought her, um, and she's actually in my film, The Garage. She plays the garage dog. Oh, cool. <laughs> and, uh, so I got that whole wolf thing going on. I named my production company's been Urban Wolf Productions, named after my first hybrid wolf dog, who was nicknamed the Urban Wolf. And uh, so, as you can see, the the wolf lives in me. Right. You talk about your movie, uh, The Garage. Now, is you said it was about someone uh, reflecting back on their life. Is that based off you personally? Absolutely. It's it's you know I, I tell everybody it, it is a movie and it's based on, but it's based on my uh, growing up and working at my dad's garage in Massachusetts during the late seventies, and it's about. Uh, it's about me and, you know, it's based on, you know, my friend and I wanting to get out of a small town and, uh, for both for different reasons and, uh, and the choices that you have, you know, making that choice and, you know, how hard of, how hard it can be to make that decision sometimes to leave, you know, mm-hmm. and, uh, so. Well, if they want to check it out, the uh, website's, uh, www.thegaragemovie.com. And, um, yeah, and yeah, it's it's opened at a lot of um, it's played at a lot of um, film festivals, and you said it's uh, won twenty two awards. Correct. Is that uh, proud? Like you know, the first movie that you've written and directed that it's uh, been well received. Yeah, it's um, it's done really well. I think it, it's a it's a solid movie, and it'll be around for a while. It's um, you know, I've been playing a lot of the festivals. It's um, it's actually in uh, Utah right now on uh, video on demand. It can be. Um, can be uh, downloaded in, in uh, Utah for the next six weeks. Oh, cool. And that was sort of a, yeah, it was set up with uh, Comcast as the video mm-hmm. supplier out there. And it's, Is it just Comcast. Utah? Yeah, I had one of the film festivals out there that I was in. I was in like three or four in, in Utah, and they're doing sort of this thing with uh, this festival I was in. They're going to take some of their films and uh, try it on their their video down. You know, the, uh, mm-hmm. Yeah, the on-demand. Right. Right, exactly. And so it's you know there for you think that's going to be like a, a thing of the future because I, I know in my uh, I have Comcast and they have some movies on demand on there that are currently at the theater. 
like a black sheep. And I think this. digital, you know, it's, I think digital is going to be, you know, where it's at. I think, you know, it's absolutely going there. I mean, I'm a big film person, by the way. My movie, The Garage, was shot on film, Super 35. And I was fortunate enough to shoot under Panavision's uh, first time filmmaker program. And that was a dream of mine always to shoot. And that's ironic. I, <laughs> I, I wanted this you know, this, this heading to come out for the longest time. And I finally got it here in a local paper, Wolfman directs <laughs> because on the set of monster squad, um, back in 86, they were taking photos. And one of the photos was me in full Wolfman garb looking through the lens of a Panavision camera on the uh-huh. set. And I have that and it's a really cool shot. Well, when I, I actually use that along with my other story because I'm a big, film nut and I always liked film. I used to steal it when I was a kid. My, I got caught stealing it. My mom had to pick me up at the police station when I was uh, I don't know, maybe like 12 years old. And anyways, I shared all this with Panavision in my story because you know they wanted to you know tell them why you think you should get this you know this program and mm-hmm. you have to submit the script as well and all this other stuff. And, and uh, so anyways, I had these two photos and it's amazing. They're 20 years apart and they're both looking through the Panavision camera. And one's looking one way and one's looking the other way, you know. And, and I finally got them to, to use it and have that heading. It says Wolfman directs. <laughs> and it shows the Wolfman in one and then 20 years later, me on the set of the film The Garage. That That's cool. cool. Yeah. Actually, one of the specials on the Monster Squad DVD is they do a little interview with, uh, uh, Noonan, who plays, uh, the, who's plays Frankenstein Monster. And I guess it was filmed at the time and he's just, you know, totally in character doing an interview as Frankenstein. Mm-hmm. And he talks about, uh, how he would like to direct. You know, and he's playing Frankenstein, so it's kind of well, fun. Yeah, ironically, he did direct, and he directed in 99, and there was the thing called, um, oh, man, I'm, I'm going to, something like Wang Dang is the name of it. And uh, the reason being, I, I edited my film out of a place in New York called The Edit Center, and uh, that same film was edited there as well. Mm-hmm. And so I just, when I saw the thing, I saw him, Tom Noonan. That was the first writing, directing that he had done. That was in 99. Cool. And he's got a website, too. Um, yeah, we gotta, I remember him on the set, though. I mean, I definitely, I mean, he, he had the most extensive makeup. They were, you know, like five hours to put him in. Uh-huh. And towards the end, I remember the last day of shooting, they ran out of prosthetics, you know, the, the pieces that they put on right. the face. And just conserve them. He had to go home that night with them on his face. And uh, he slept with uh, those prosthetics on his on his face one night towards the end. Mm-hmm. Yeah, he mentions that. Uh, it's even the commentary, one of the interviews they do uh, on the special editions on that DVD, and he talks about it. And when he comes back, like, the next day, I guess, like, the layer of skin on his cheek uh, came off when they took off the glue. I guess Stan I Winston you know, was a little uh, I could, I, worried I don't about know that. How they, how they do that stuff. I you know, after the Monster Squad, I went on to do a couple other roles that required prosthetics. Mm-hmm. And, you know, there's, um, to get stuff glued on my face. And the Wolfman, I mean, I was fortunate enough, nothing was glued on me. You know, it was a helmet piece that I put on with servos and I had all the servos were in my back. That's why it looks like he's got this big, huge back. I mean, mm-hmm. all the servos were stuck in my back. And, uh, it was kind of freaky. I got a great story about the, the, uh, about getting that part if you got a minute. Oh, definitely. Well, um, when I got cast to do that thing, you know, they got to do a full body cast of you from head to toe. And, uh, you know, it's one of those things I asked them. They they asked me, are you claustrophobic? And I said, no, I don't think so. And you don't know until they start putting you into it. Right. 
it was a four-hour process to wrap you like you got a broken leg. It's the same plaster cast from they wrap you head to toe. And I got to the top, man, and I started getting kind of a little weird, you know. <laughs> and uh, I was really committed to do this part, you know. And I just I hung in there when they they split the cast down the center after, and literally almost fell to the ground because my body had like fallen asleep, you know. Well, the night before the shoot, after they made all, they had, I, I'd gone back later and they did another head cast for the for the headpiece and the it was like two days before the shoot I remember them calling me up there and it was going to be the first time that I was going to put the helmet piece on you know for the fitting and this thing is completely fit to my head it won't fit nobody else's head it's it fits like a glove to my head well I put it on and I freaked out I remember this movie when I was a kid and nobody to this day has told me what the movie is there's a movie where a guy puts on a mask and all of a sudden it starts getting tighter and tighter and it just crushes his head Hmm. Oh, yep, that was in, um, it was a Vincent Price movie, I think. I yes, think it yes, yes. Might have been the second Dr. Fives. Yeah, he put and the mask on and it mask. just starts crushing his head, right? It, it's like a frog mask, right? Right. And, and <laughs> that's the, the, it. Yep, that's exactly it. Yeah, that's and the first I'm telling you, man. Fives movie. <laughs> I put this, I put the Wolfman head, you know, the headpiece on my head and that's the first thing that came to my mind and I freaked out. <laughs> I pulled it off and I said, there's something in there. And, you know, and they, the guys, they looked inside and they're putting their hands in it. They went, no, no, it's okay. I was freaking out. I was like going, man, I'm either going to, you know, because they can't get anybody else. And I was like, oh, no, they're going to, this is just a mess. Right. <laughs> I can't wear this thing, you know. I was like, I had to like calm down and I had to tell myself, you know something, I want to do this part so bad. I'm going to fucking, I'm sorry. <laughs> no, you can say anything you want here. I'm going to die in this thing if I have to because I want to do this, you know? Mm -hmm. So, and the ironic thing was, I put it on and I, you know, and I worked my way through it. And then later when I was on the set, they would come over to me and they'd ask me if I want to take it off. And I didn't want it off after because I was more comfortable in it later because nobody knew who I was. Mm -hmm. So it was kind of an ironic thing. I, you know, I I didn't want it on at first and then later on I didn't want it off. (laughs) So. Um, they mentioned that uh, Dracula and uh, Frankenstein that they they left the the makeup on all the time in front of the kids. They didn't want to, they didn't want them to see him out of it. Right. Uh, were you the same way? I stayed in it most of the time. Um, you know, just because, for my own reasons. I don't know if they you know they they always pulled me aside anyway. So I had like two guys guiding me around. I was literally blind in that thing. The uh, the eyes are actually much wider than human beings' eyes, mm-hmm. and those are glass eyes in there that are run by servos and. My eyes, I mean, I was looking at the bridge, through the bridge of the nose with two tiny little slots, and then there was hair all over it. So it was, the, the visibility was like, you know, maybe 5%. So they all, you know, I always had two guys guiding me around everywhere I went, you know. Mm-hmm. And, uh, after I was done, pretty much, they took me, took me off to the side. And, uh, wow. Well, it was pretty, it was pretty tough to, I mean, uh, you know, that scene in the, the phone booth was, uh, was a pretty, um, that was a one shot, one take deal. It was candy glass. It was four in the morning. When you transformed? Yeah, and, and it was the busting out of the telephone booth. And, yeah. And Peter Hines was directing that uh, second unit. And I remember, you know, and, and I had to take um, hot coffee, drink it, hold it in my mouth, because that's what gave me the steam when I howled the moon. Mm-hmm. Oh. And uh, so I'm, I'm bent over. This is a, a good friend of mine who was an actor was there with me, and and they were like, they, they, they just wanted to go home that night for some reason or whatever. And and I was like, and he says, okay, you're gonna. I mean, just prior to that, I tripped over some crates they had because somebody put some crates there. I literally fell over. I could have really 
you know, gotten hurt really bad and they moved the crates and, and I don't think they realized how blind I was in this thing. I think they took it for granted. I could see really well, which right. I couldn't. And, uh, I was going to do this thing and I had to be bent over. I had to, I had to bust the glass out. Um, I had to step outside, hit my mark, howl at the, you know, at the moon, holding that coffee and the perfect moment so you could see the steam, turn around and run around the gas pumps and up the road. And I was telling my buddy, I'm going to mess this thing up so bad. And he goes, oh, man, he walked me through it and he hit my marks. And I remember just before they, you know, called action, I said, I'm either going to nail this thing or it's going to be a mess. <laughs> and, and if, you know, if you break the candy glass, that's like a five hour deal to, to reset it all again. They said, you know, if I, it was a one thing deal. If we didn't do it, we're going to have to come back the next night and try it again. And the whole thing came off perfect. I mean, just nailed it right on the money. Um, everybody was clapping after it was a really good night. <laughs> how, how do you think that came off? Like the, the transformation, like compared to some other, uh, Wolfman or werewolf, uh, transformations on film? Uh, I liked it. I, I thought it was really seen, cool. Uh, yeah, I've seen some pretty bogus ones. I mean, they Definitely. did a nice. They did. They they did it really nice the way that they intercut it. You know, with the with the two different you know kind of looks, and they didn't they didn't overdo it. Sometimes they they spend so much time trying to watch the growth. You know, I think it was quick enough. You you got the feeling of it. and It worked real well. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I Stan Winston's. I mean, I mean, I mean, you know, the guy's you know incredible. Mm-hmm. I I was in the in the um. In the the uh, in my room, not my room. There was a they had the trailer just for the monsters. I remember being in there. there he was working on a lot of things when I was doing Monster Squad. They were doing Predator at the time, and I remember the you know the the cast of um, the guy that died, Hall. What's his name? Something Hall. Um, the guy that played the Predator. Remember he went on to play Harry and the Hendersons, oh, yeah. a TV show. Right. He, actually, he died on that show, I think. Oh really? Kevin T. Know. Hall. Does that sound right? It could be, yeah, I'm not, I'm not yeah. positive. But in his, anyways, I remember his, his, um, his body cast was next to mine. And I remember Stan Winston had made this, um, this clay figure, maybe about 12 inches high, um, of the Predator. This thing looked like it was going to come alive. <laughs> it was, it was just incredible. I mean, he, you know, that's, that's incredible talent. Just an mm-hmm. artist, you know? And, uh, I remember his artist renderings. I got pictures of him in my scrapbook. I took a bunch of pictures of the Wolfman that he did in pencil. Mm-hmm. Incredible, just incredible. Uh, did you save uh, many things from the movie? Yeah, they're going to be on eBay pretty soon because yeah. I'm really getting I'm really getting hurt, hurting for money. So. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's the way mon- to go. It's a perfect know, timing. Well, I got the, I'm waiting for yeah the Monster Squad uh, crew jacket, which is a denim jacket with the. Monster Squad logo on the front and back. Oh, the, the timing's perfect. That's right. So, uh, yeah, so maybe I'll put that on uh, eBay pretty soon. You All know? right. You let us know. We'll put up the link up on the website. You know, I got the posters. You know, I get, uh, I'm looking at both of them. I've got one because Adidas, Adidas, the uh, footwear place, I don't right. know if they're in business anymore, but um, they were going to do a promo. They were supposed to do a whole big, huge promo on this whole film. I was supposed to go cross-country doing, uh, you know, different stops with it mm-hmm. originally. They had contacted me. They wanted to know if I would do it, and I agreed to it, and it never happened. But Adidas did one here. It's got all the monsters with uh, with tennis shoes on. Ah, cool. I Actually, uh, my real job, I sell uh, sports stuff uh, on eBay, and uh, Adidas recently bought Reebok. So uh, they're still around. Yeah. It's, uh, they actually have the license to make the NBA jerseys this year. 
if anybody if anybody's interested, which I doubt they Well are. when I get real hard up, I'm gonna I'll just I'll sign all this stuff, you know, and then I'll just put it on eBay and see what <laughs> easy. See, see what the hardcore fans will pay for it, you know. Right. <laughs> Not you, a whole lot I'll bet. But I bet they I bet you might be surprised. Yeah. You you mentioned like you really wanted to do the role. Were you a fan of uh, like the Universal Monster? Movies? Oh yeah, I mean, I, when I when I grew up, I mean, I, Halloween was my favorite time of the year. It just, oh, yeah. I mean, I you know, growing up, and then to do this film, this was the first part I ever got as an actor and got my SAG card on this film. Um, you know, the, the the part getting it was incredible too. I remember they had, they um, put this in a local rag paper back in the eighties called Drama Log, which now is Backstage West, and. Uh, it was under a section which they don't even have anymore, and it was non-union extras. That's about as the lowest on the casting list you can get, non-union extras. And they were looking for the Wolfman and the Mummy. <laughs> and uh, I remember going in down to um, it was Layered Studios, which is like Culver City. And I remember going in to read for this. I had no idea. That was a little low-budget film. And, and uh I remember going in there and just, you know, my buddy, again, my actor buddy went down there with me and I went in there and there was a director and at the time, Fred Decker, I didn't know who he was and the casting director was there and he gave me a little scenario. He says, all the townspeople are going to be coming. They got torches. They're coming to get you. You're locked in this room. Try to get out, but you can't get out. And all of a sudden, so I just went and, you know, did whatever I did. <laughs> I started mm-hmm. clawing the walls and everything else and, and they're, they're really, Really uh, interesting thing was the casting director was laughing her ass off. <laughs> Fred Decker was going, yeah, yeah, that's right. Good. So, and then in a split second, I'm, I got this very clearly. Either I'm making a complete ass of myself or I'm really nailing this. <laughs> right. <laughs> no, because she's laughing and he's like, yeah, do this and do that. You know, and then she's just like, and she's just, and I'm like, went home that night. I didn't know if I got it the next day. I got a call. I got the role. Um, they sent me up to Stan Winston Studios where I didn't, at this time, I didn't know anything at all about the film. I still thought it was a little low budget film. I went up there for the first day and, uh, they were about to, um, shave my chest because <laughs> I had to do a full body cast. Right. And so I'm got, I got three, I got two of Stan's. I'm sitting there looking across the room and there's a Terminator thing, right? <laughs> and then up in the, up in the top is the, uh, is the alien stuff, right? And right. I'm going, I'm looking, oh. I'm going, is that the, I said, how did you guys get, how did you guys get the, you know, the, uh, the, the um, Terminator thing? I, said, I mean, where did you get that? You know, and they're like, they looked at me and they go, do you know anything about this film? And I go, I go, well, not really. And they, they, they told me what it was. And I was like, that's when I first learned about, you know, about really what was going on in the movie. Right. It wasn't quite the low budget film you thought it. No, it, you know. I thought it was one of, you know, because it was in the non-union extras. But what happened was I heard later that they had cast all the way through their SAG, you know, regular, their regular venues or whatever, and they couldn't find these two two guys because it was a physical thing they were looking for. Mm-hmm. But the mummy, they were looking for this anorexic, you know, right. guy. And uh, the Wolfman had to have a certain look, uh, facial and body type, to fit, I guess, the um, the you know the the artist renderings that Stan came up with. They didn't want a bodybuilder because he was too bulky. Mm-hmm. You know, they wanted somebody who was it was muscular, but in a sort of in an athletic way. And they, I guess it was height too. I was six two, you know, I'm six two, and it was a combination of being athletic, you know, the right build, the right look. And I used to always give him a hard time too. I Stan Winston has kind of a kind of a kind of a bony, chiseled face a little bit, and that's what I got. I got some of that. I said I think that's why they, you know, I, you know, I was close to. Mm-hmm. <laughs> right. 
I think he drew himself into the Wolfman a little bit too, you know. Right. <laughs> uh, so, uh, which like uh, werewolf films or uh, you know Wolfman ones did you oh, like? The classic, the classic. Yeah. yeah, yeah, the first one, the Wolfman. Mm-hmm. I actually had his photo. I mean, for the longest time, you know, the, you know the the old black and white Wolfman when he comes out of the swamp, you know. Right. Yeah. Look. Yeah. That to me, I, I think that's probably one of the best ones. Mm-hmm. Absolutely awesome. I'm not a big werewolf like Werewolf in London. I think it's a good movie. But I'm just, I, I like the classic, you know, the, yeah. the Wolfman. I do like American Wolf from London. I think the, uh, yeah. the, uh, oh, it's the scene when he really good film. But it's, to me, cool. it's, a, it's different. It's a werewolf, you know. It's, yeah, it's you know, not the Wolfman. I always have to straighten people out. Yes, werewolf is more, is more dog. Wolfman is more man. <laughs> right. Well, that's, that's, yeah, because he walks on all fours in that movie. Right. Um, um, and on the special uh, thing, uh, Fred Decker, he says that he's inspired by uh, Adam Costello meets uh, Frankenstein. Uh-huh. Uh huh. Did you put any? Did you try to put any comedy into into your role, or were you just kind of going straight for not, uh, Wolfman? Not intentionally. Right. <laughs> <laughs> I got a great story to tell you. Not, I mean, uh, I, I was in the Austin Film Festival last year, which is a pretty good festival. My film was in there. I went down there and. Um, on the panel, I knew Shane Black was going to be down there, and uh, and I didn't, but I didn't know Peter Himes was going to be there as well. He was the moderator, so I'd gone in and, and I sat in on that. And I actually waited till almost the whole thing was over, and I brought it up to uh, Shane Black, um, and, and and I won't say what I'd really like to say, but <laughs> but but I'm not a real big fan of Shane Black, um, uh, only because. You know, I, I was I was very genuine when I was, was you know in there and stuff. But the, the first thing, because I, I shared them, I said, you know, I, 20 years ago, Peter Hines directed me in the scene, and you you co-wrote the film Monster Squad, and uh, here I am 20 years later with my films, and he goes, oh, the clumsy wolf man. I was like, whoa, <laughs> like <laughs> that was nice. all about. Yeah, yeah I was like I'm like, boy, what was that? And I was like, so so anyways, you just said I put some comedy into it i don't know but shane thinks i put some clumsiness into it <laughs> <laughs> no i don't i don't i don't think you did I, I actually think most of the monsters were pretty uh maybe uh frankenstein a little bit but um mm-hmm. i think that's what kind of made the movie good if the if the monsters were like uh comedic i don't think it would have been the same yeah, um, i think they were you know i think they were, i think uh you know I, I think the mummy did an incredible job. I really do. Oh, I, uh, definitely. I remember working with him. I remember his walk and everything, and mm-hmm. I, I really liked what he did. Because I, I actually, I, did, I actually was up for. I think I was telling you, I did a couple of things after Monster Squad, and one of them was to play a mummy in a film, uh, Waxworks. Okay, and, oh, I remember uh, that one. Yeah. Yeah, they they hired me based on the Monster Squad, and I went up there. And that long story short, they put me in full makeup that day. It took them about four hours to put me in, and I, and I was going to do sort of the old throwback to the old mummy, you know, mm-hmm. which is just that real um, intimidating walk, you know, mm-hmm. of the of the of the original mummy that scared me. And uh, but anyways, they didn't want to they didn't want to pay me. They wanted to hire me as an extra almost. And long story short, uh, I didn't do the role because <laughs> I just oh. came off Monster Squad making, you know, scale. Sag wages and they they were going to try to pay me like extra wages on that thing. It was a really cheap shoot. Right. And, uh, but I broke out the next day, so it's a good thing I didn't do it. I, I had prosthetics all in my face, and my face was like raw meat the next day. So <laughs> my uh, you know my heart goes out to anybody who does that prosthetic stuff, man. Right. You know. 
Are you happy though that that they that they use like uh, makeup and like uh, you know like real special effects instead of it was like before like a lot of CGI? Well, I think well, if, I'm, not, I'm not a fan of that stuff anyway. So right. It's not. I mean, I, um, you know, I, and I know that a lot of people like it, and I just I know it when I watch it. It just to me, I'd rather I'd rather see them. Uh, I'd rather see less. And make it more real, you know, mm-hmm. instead of more. And then, you know, because I know they have a lot of freedom with CGI and they can do just about anything. But every time you watch it, you, I mean, I know anyways, and maybe it's just because I'm old school, you know, you know, and, uh, you know. No, I definitely think you're like uh, the, the new Mummy movies. I mean, to me, they're not nearly as scary as no, the they're not scary. Listen, you go back to the old ones, man, and, you know, you that's scary stuff. It's just, mm-hmm. You know what I mean? It's like, you know, because you know it's like a real mummy and it's, uh, you know, it's just. It's got the intimidation factor in you. I'm about to do another film that I think I was telling you about, which is going to be it's going to be a kids' film, but it's going to be based in the 70s, and it's going to have some elements of you know fear and horror in it to some degree. But it's going to come back to the basics of what really you know drives all of us, you know, and and less is always more, you know, it just oh, is. Right? Leave the, you've got to give the, you've got to give the you know the audience. The benefit of a doubt to use, to let them use their imagination. You know what I mean? Don't spoon feed them. Don't give them everything completely. You know, take them in slowly. Let them use their imagination because everybody has a different feeling of what fear is to them. So don't spell it out to them, but make it, you know, in such a way that, you know, that uh, really brings them in, you know? Mm-hmm. So I'm like, I want to try to kind of get back to that. That's what my the movie The Garage is about. I mean, it's a, it's a, it's a piece that really brings you in. I, I remember somebody had quoted and said something about, you know, my film is something you can feel when you watch it. It's, you know, it has that visceral thing when you when you watch it. And I, you know, I'm, I'm big on that. I'm a, I'm, you know, I'm a touchy feely kind of guy, and I like that kind of stuff where you just, you know, people take their time and really just bring the audience in to feel it. You know. Mm-hmm. Everybody can check that out. Of, yeah, you want? Sorry, I'll just tell everybody to I'll check it out at thegaragemovie.com. Go on, Troy. I was just going to say, like, I've heard nothing but wonderful things about the movie. What'd you hear? It's all lies. No, what'd you <laughs> okay. Don't believe any of them? <laughs> Scratch it all. Yeah. Yeah. Are there any uh, places it's playing right now? Um, well, it just played, but where's it coming up? It's coming up in, um, it's coming up in Iowa. Um, uh, is this heaven? No, Iowa. <laughs> that's, that's a field of dreams, you know? Right. Remember, remember what's his name walking? Is this heaven? No, Iowa. I love it. It's playing in, uh, it's playing, uh, in, uh, what is it? Uh, it's a new festival called Landlocked, which is the Iowa City International Film Festival in, in, uh, in Iowa. Where's the other one it's coming up to? Uh, got a whole bunch of places it's coming mm-hmm. up, actually. You can check out the garagemovie.com and we'll have the, yeah. uh, we'll have the link around the website. It's the, um, my, my web guys are a little bit behind. There's four festivals that are, that are supposed to be on there that aren't on there yet, but it's playing in a, mm-hmm. it's going to have a big push towards October. It's playing in a lot of festivals in October coming up. And, uh, but yeah, it's, it's, uh, it's doing its thing. I always tell people, you know, you'll, you'll see this one around. Actually, I got Tanya Ramon. Who plays uh, a girl, uh, a love interest for the lead in the film, and she's uh, reoccurring on Lost. Mm-hmm. She plays uh, Alex Russo on Lost. She's she was 16 years old when she did my film, and um, she's I think 19 now, and she's really taken off this girl. There's rumors she's coming back as a regular on Lost, and I, you know, I'm hoping that's the case. I know she's coming back to 
to do the role she's been doing for the last two years. Right. So, um, yeah. Uh, um, so someone here in our chat room, when you were talking about the mummy, they wanted to, uh, Ryron wanted to know, how did the mummy get into the closet? How did he get into the closet? <laughs> right, because there's a scene where the, the kid's, uh, the kid's afraid that the monster's in his closet. And, uh, they don't really explain how he got in there. He's the mummy. It's a but movie, guy. the window, so he must have climbed in through the window. Oh, yeah, yeah, absolutely. That's how he got out. Climbed in, and that's where yeah. he was he's used to, out, you know? He's used to the casket. He needed, yeah. you know, coffins. I mean, the closet's pretty close to that. Yeah. I think any time a movie starts to get watched, you know, a whole bunch of times, then, then a whole bunch of questions come up. <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah. I stopped myself from doing that because I was going to ask why Dracula, like, lost his cane eventually. Like, it was, a, you know... Well, there's things that I noticed immediately when I watched the film. There was only one that stuck in mind, and it's an obvious one, which is how, you know, um, Phoebe's on one side of the bench and then on the other side of the bench. <laughs> and only because, and I noticed it then, and I even noticed it more now when I edit films and stuff, but she, she is on like one side and then boom, the next, the next cut when they come back to her, she's on the other side. Yep, yep, <laughs> I saw that too. Um, and I, I remember reading why it was like that too. There was actually a, a reason for that, you know. Oh wow! And uh, it, it had something to, probably to do with coverage or something, or maybe the shot that they wanted to use they couldn't use that kind of thing. Right. But, well, we had to bring up, of course, one of the most famous lines in the movie is uh, "Wolfman has nards." I have you a think... great story with that. <laughs> okay. <laughs> you want to tell us? Yeah, yeah well, that was a stunt double, by the way, that kicked me in the nard. Oh, okay. I thought maybe it was a stunt it double who got kicked. Yeah, it wasn't Brent, and uh, and uh, I really want to, you know, um, send out. Um, I I'd written somewhere as well. I didn't know Brent that much, but when I heard that he had passed away, I, you know, I just thought that, you know, you know mm-hmm. yeah, he's only I, twenty two. Oh, yeah, I'm so young, twenty two years old, I think, when he died too. You mm-hmm. know. And it's and it's honestly it's guys like that that inspire me anyways and everything that I do because I feel so blessed to be this age and still you know my film The Garage is about about my friend who was who was uh, killed at 21 years old also and uh, you know these guys didn't get to go on and, and live the life that that we did you know and mm-hmm. I don't know I just uh, those kind of things I think it was just a sad thing to hear that he he died but um, the, um, the the he had a stunt double to kick me. And I remember they gave me a cup that day to wear, and uh, I told the, the you know stunt double, I said, just picture yourself kicking a football because he kept kicking me and it didn't look real, you know. <laughs> right. And I so I so I tried to do my own coaching to him, right? And, and <laughs> I thought I knew better. And I said, just look, just like you're lining up a football, just you know as hard as you can. And I didn't think he could get you know that it would hurt for a cup, but boy, I'm <laughs> to my knees. <laughs> From the stunt double that day, and I, and, uh, I don't know. I won't. I won't recommend that ever again. <laughs> uh, did Did you think that line would be so popular? Uh, I had no idea. They took it out of the film, didn't they? At one time, somebody. Uh, I, I just really. Yeah, I'm on a maybe when they show it on TV, maybe they do. They They said they took it out at the time because it was, you know, Nards was not allowed. <laughs> And if you watch the very first, I think she was right. This girl that number she did on a message board just the other day that I'm on um, for the for my for the uh, film festivals and stuff. And I, I mentioned that I was the Wolfman, and they they were all impressed. Every once in a while, it's amazing um, how like when I film my movie, 
I was a first-time writer-director, and my script supervisor wasn't really giving me the respect because she'd worked in a lot of big films. Mm-hmm. And she's like, you know, I'm also, I was a building contractor for many years, and somebody had said, oh, yeah, he's a contractor. And she was like, you know, she didn't give me the respect all the way in the beginning of the film. And one day, early in the film, one of the guys working on the film had found out I was the wolf man. And he came up, and he was so excited. Yeah, you know, uh-huh. he's like, you're the wolf man. Oh my God, you know, he's like, and, I'm, and, and then she turned and she goes, you're an actor, you're an actor and something. You know, she looked at me and I just, oh yeah, I, I did a film called the monster squad and played the wolf man. And from that moment on, we were, we were, we got along so good. <laughs> so it's, it's amazing how I'm like, you know, I'm the same guy, right? It's like, but she thought I never had even stepped on the set before, you know? Right. Mm-hmm. Uh, but yeah, every once in a while you find somebody that's really a big fan of it. You know, it's amazing. And it's like, cause you, you know, you don't, you know, to, um, you know, you um, to think about how it affects some people, I guess, and right. up with it. And since you, you know, since you wore the makeup in the movie, do do like people notice? You know, if they see you, do, do they recognize you as the Wolfman? No, no. no. The only thing you ever see in there is my tongue. <laughs> they actually made a prosthetic tongue for me to hold in my mouth, and it just, you know, I actually could stick my tongue out far enough so that it laid in there. So they, 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 they decided to go with my real time. <laughs> <laughs> there you go. You got it first. <laughs> you got the dirt. I know yeah. that tongue. <laughs> Have you been doing any, like, uh, any, uh, film, um, like, uh, fan fest or anything like that? No, they, they well, they, you know, I'm, I'm the guy behind the costume, so they don't, they don't, they don't call me in much, you know? Uh, I don't know. You guys are the only fans, you know. Oh no, I admit it. I think you'd be surprised. A lot of people think. A lot of people think John John, John Grease is the Wolfman for a long time. You know, it's like, you know, they used to, you know, then all the real hardcore fans on the on the website said, no, it's Carl Tebow. It's not. It's you know, there was, that was the desperate man. You know, <laughs> and, uh, you know, they all thought he was in the costume too. You know, right? Oh, okay. Well, why did they get someone else to play that that part? Well, because they wanted they wanted the Wolfman to be bigger. Oh, okay. And Jonathan Grease, you know, I mean, I, I think he's probably like five nine, five ten, something like that. Maybe I mean, I'm probably maybe he's not even that tall. Right. Well, maybe five eight, five nine, and they just wanted, you know, they wanted the Wolfman to grow when he turned into the Wolfman, you know, to be more kind of menacing too. Mm-hmm. And even though I don't look that tall because I'm I'm wearing those little booties on, which are the wolf feet, and there's no heels on them, so you basically, you know, you're barefoot. <laughs> So you don't, you know, and, right. uh, Frankenstein and I, I think we're pretty close in height, but time you put his shoes on and everything, he looks like he's about oh, a foot yeah. taller than me. Yeah, he definitely looks really big in the movie. Yeah. Well, we want to thank you for coming on. Will everybody know to check out thegaragemovie.com? Anything uh, you want to tell the fans out there? Uh, buy those DVDs. I still get residuals. Thank you. I can, right. use, the, I can <laughs> use the money. <laughs> I definitely recommend the DVD. It's a, uh, it's really fun to rewatch. Yeah, I've and if you've never seen it, yeah, yeah, I've got to come in uh, next week, so I'm definitely looking forward to seeing seeing all the extra footage and stuff. Mm-hmm. It's like I said, I saw it when I was 11, and I loved uh, watching it again. And uh, Troy here had never seen it before, and uh, he just yep, watched it today for the first time. time. Yep, yep. I'm going to have to pick me up a copy of the Garage too. That's right. Yeah, know. definitely. Keep, keep a lookout for the garage. You know, uh, go, you know, go to the. You can play the trailer at the website. Uh, it's a. It's a good. It's a good film. It really is. It's. Mm-hmm. Um, you know. Will it be coming out on DVD eventually? Yes, it will be eventually. And uh, I'm just, you know, it's just a. It's a process. You know, I've been on the festival route now for just a little over a year. 
Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, I've got some people that are interested, but it's a it's a it's a long process. You know, it really is, and it can take you know it can it can happen quicker. It can happen in two three years. You know, four years sometimes. You know, but mm-hmm. um, but it's all good. Like I said, man, I'm just glad to still be uh, still at it and here. You know. Yeah. Well, we really appreciate you coming on, and hope uh, wish you the best of luck and with the garage and your uh, your movie you're doing after that. Okay. Well, I appreciate you guys uh, taking the time to uh, to uh, talk with me. All right. Can we keep you here for one second? Sure. Hey, this is Charles Van, and you're listening to WithoutYourHead.com. All right. We're back once again. Welcome back to Without Your Head. We want to thank uh, Carl Tebow, who I pronounced his name wrong in the beginning of the show. Next time I'll just say, we're having some dude on. You just, you know. Oh, man. I should have listened to Troy. I should have listened to Frenchie Martin over here. Yeah, that's right. Frenchie the flea Troy. (laughs) Frenchie Martin. (laughs) And you were the first guy in uh, 20 years to to know what mask he was talking about. Oh, yeah. Yep, yep. I love that scene. Yeah. Yeah. That was pretty cool. That was actually the first uh, Dr. Fives. Yeah. Um, oh, hope everybody where the the mask crushes the guy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's like a uh-huh. frog mask. Yeah, yeah. I haven't yeah. seen the second one. Mm-hmm. Oh, okay. So uh, I hope everybody enjoyed the interview, and it looks like we'll probably have uh, another cast member, maybe a couple more, uh, you know, in the near future, from the Monster Squad on the show. Excellent. If everything uh, pans out. But uh, now we're going to back from the show. We're going to do a little roundtable of mm-hmm. the movie we talked about at the beginning of the show. Oh yeah, definitely. But I, you know, it's really cool we got that interview with uh, Carl there. I, I think uh, everybody should check out his uh, movie, uh, The Garage. Uh, it sounds really interesting. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm always a fan of that kind of movie. That um, you know, I think uh, everybody could probably relate to it. Mm-hmm. Well, especially after we find out he's a fellow asshole. Yes. Well, except me, I'm you know. <laughs> yes, yes, you're just you're you 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 are, but you just take off the end. <laughs> but uh, what? All righty, let's get into the roundtable discussion. All right, we're gonna talk about a shadowy figure at the roundtable. That's now. right. That? I think he's the barber. Let's oh, see your cue to introduce yourself. This is Ryron. We got Ryron here. We're gonna do a little roundtable of um. The BBC version of Sweeney Todd. They, they got the, the big, uh, I guess the Hollywood version will be coming out soon. But uh, we're going to talk about the uh, BBC version. Sounds good to me. All right, let's start off. I'm expecting the BBC version, or the one that we got to see here, is going to be very, is very different than what we're going to see out of Hollywood. Yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> now, uh, you go on. Go no, you on. This is this was a a very grim take on it. I I've only seen the musical, mm-hmm. which you know is funny or, and kind of weird, mm-hmm. but not like a world almost a world away from from uh, this. This I would really recommend it to everybody, especially if you uh, aren't familiar with the story of Sweeney God. Right. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Just uh, for everybody to um to know, if Troy wants to give like a brief summary of um like a synopsis of the Sweeney Todd tale, which is based off a legend. Some say it's actually based on a true story, and some say it's not. But it's based off a legend anyway. Well, Sweeney and um his his neighbor girlfriend uh, Mrs. Lovett, 
um, Sweeney's a barber, and what he does is basically he kills the people that come come into his barber shop. He'll take the straight razor to them, and then eventually send the bodies over to Mrs. Lovett, who turns them into meat pies. Right. And so they have a whole little scheme going. This one gives a much different take on Mrs. Lovett, though, because she's <clears> not like she doesn't start off as kind of his evil partner in the BBC version. They, they give that character like a completely different... Well, actually, they give Sweeney a completely different uh, mm-hmm. personality. Yeah, I really like all the personalities in the movie. I think everyone kind of gives their reasons, or maybe not their reasons, because Sweeney Tom maybe doesn't even have a reason, but uh, mm. you understand the characters are not just uh, black and white. They're real people. Mm-hmm. Yeah, they definitely fleshed it out a lot more than like any of the other ones that I had seen. Mm-hmm. John, uh, I don't know. It's just overall, it was like uh, I haven't seen any of the other ones. Actually, this is actually the first one that I've seen, and uh, it was a pretty grim tale. But just how you know he'd lure people into the uh well not lure them but he'd advertise for the barbershop right and people would come in and then yeah it's just it's pretty crazy and mm-hmm. like you know just kind of the parts whenever how he like befriended the police in a way because they mm-hmm. had the uh like the uh bar like back in the days you know barbers were actually like surgeons as well Right. Yeah, they did everything. <laughs> it's kind of bizarre to think about. It's really bizarre. I guess because, like, I guess the uh, idea was they're good with like razors and right. They're they can so you, can you can hop in and get you get your uh, beard your beard uh, shaved off and you know get, get some surgery while you were there. Right. Yeah. They also did dentistry back then too. <laughs> there was no dentist. You'd go to the barber for that. Man, what, what the rates were like? Yeah, like what 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 they get paid back then? <laughs> I would I, hope they got paid pretty well, you know. Yeah, but it's a lot cheaper than it is today. <laughs> you know, you get, well, back then it was a shave and a haircut, two bits. Yeah, yep. Mm, shave a haircut and an appendec an appendectomy for you know, <laughs> five bits, four bits, yeah, <laughs> and a shilling. But I like that it was a very matter of fact, kind of like uh, he built the um, like a trap door for, for for the bodies and everything. And it was just kind of like out of necessity. It wasn't. It was just kind of like thinking, um, you know, if he's killing these people, what does he have to do to get rid of the body and everything? Mm-hmm. And then the same way with the meat was, uh, you know, was to get to get rid of the meat. You know, he sold it to uh, the neighbor who helped her out because then she got free meat to uh, put in her meat pies. And and it was kind of cool because she wasn't aware of it to start with in this adaptation, you know. Um, right to begin with, and then uh, yeah, they explained how she kind of uh, she kind of um, accepted it because I don't want to give too much away of the movie, but she accepted it because uh, some bad things happened to her. Yeah, we need to lay down the uh, laws for spoilers on this one. Right. <laughs> oh, that's true. Because uh, if you're going to watch, you really don't want to know a lot about um, a lot about it. I don't think. Hmm. David yeah. Warner's really good in this one too. He's you know, he plays like the blind judge. Oh, he was awesome. Yeah. He's not I don't think he's even credited, is he? I'm not sure. Yeah, he but must be um, getting up there in age too, because he's looking Oh uh, yeah. 
Mm-hmm. That was one of the best roles in the, uh, best roles in the. I kind of liked their interaction too because you kind of thought he kind of suspected him, but at the same time he didn't because he totally trusted him. Oh yeah, and it, it's such a great scene, like when he's shaving him, you know, and he's like, you know, he's completely at his mercy, basically. He's mm-hmm. a blind guy, right? Know. He even says that, you know, uh, mm-hmm. you know, a blind man with his barber, there had, you know, there can be no more, trust, yeah, yeah. no more bigger trust. Mm-hmm. And he was like, uh, I think he's like really, uh, he's disappointed, but yet at the same time, I think he's he's he was around so much, uh, he's seen so much because he's an older guy that he wasn't too like distraught when he found out that he was like a killer. Yeah, probably my favorite scene throughout the whole movie, like it involved David Warner. It was uh, whenever um, he actually cuts out his father's tongue and. He goes to him and he's like trying to tell him, and he's like, and he's like, "Aren't we the perfect pair? I can't see any evil. <laughs> you can't <laughs> speak any evil, <laughs> and he and he doesn't hear any evil." It's like his partner trying to translate to him because he was trying to write notes right. and stuff. It was a great scene. Yep. I like that part. <laughs> I loved. I loved the, like the sets too. Like you know old school London where it was just everything was so filthy. Yeah, it yeah. looked great. Yeah. It had a great look. I mean it looked it didn't look like a made for T V movie. It you know, it was a really good looking movie. Like you said, everything looked uh looked dirty and it looked dated. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and but and going back to like his girlfriend, like uh how uh we were saying we didn't want to give much away, but we pretty much gave a lot away by now, so we're right. having, like shut off the program because <laughs> of all the cause of all the onslaught of spoilers. You didn't, uh, right. We've pretty much ruined enough of the movie for you. But anyway, yeah, it's it's kinda hard to talk about the movie without talking about talking about his girlfriend and the whole uh, interaction and but anyway, on there. she was a whore. <laughs> We wouldn't say much about it otherwise. So, so what right. was it? Was it like was it like uh, herpes or something she got on her face? Or what, what was oh, it? that was some evil stuff, right? There. Awesome. <laughs> I don't want to catch a batch of that stuff. No, no. I think what would they call it? Like the French pox or something like that? I think. Really? Did they name okay. it in the movie? I don't think they did. I think that they they might have alluded to something, but I don't know if they said like what it actually was. But it could have been any type of. Uh, uh, sexually transmitted disease, I mm-hmm. suppose. In a lot of ways, though, you kind of had sympathy for the uh, for the 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 monsters in this movie, you know. Oh yeah, because yep. they build up with the uh, story about how he was in an orphanage or he was locked away, actually, I believe, because his dad like mm-hmm. uh, left but him he behind was in- after they. What, what what was it? Was it like? Yeah, I guess they were breaking into or stealing something, and the dad took off, and and mm-hmm. the police caught him and his brother, and his brother was actually hung for it. Because yeah, I guess they yeah. thought he was the guy that was actually stealing, and he was he was sent to like uh refor- like kind of what the reform school I guess was back in mm-hmm. the day, like a prison for children. And that's like the first person that they show that he actually kills in the movie, which I guess right. is the first person that he kills is like a All man who who works at the uh, mm-hmm. uh, at the at the uh, uh, and kind of revels in uh, treating the kids badly. Yeah, right. And uh, he reaffirms that the treatment hasn't changed. That's when mm-hmm. uh, Todd starts to. Mm-hmm. And and the first time he kills somebody, you know, you could tell he's kind of upset about, it, even though it's someone, you know, someone he wants to kill. But at the same time, he, you know, he's kind of upset that he killed somebody, and that kind of goes away the more people he kills. Right. 
I thought they uh, they had a very good sympathetic opening. You know, they did not. It's mm-hmm. not that he is uh, a, a completely virtuous or moral human being, but he certainly is more moral than we see uh, out of the killers in a lot of horror films mm-hmm. or in darker films. But they, uh, this is one of those movies like Alfred Hitchcock's Psycho that made me worry about the killer getting caught, mm-hmm. as opposed to rooting for the killer to get caught. Mm-hmm. Right. Watching in anticipation. Yeah, because he's um, he's basically the he- the hero of the movie. Yet he's the killer. He's he's the guy that you you know the most about. Right. It's told from his perspective. Mm-hmm. Right. They used the father to the same end, which mm-hmm. uh, I thought the use of the father in this one was very interesting. Yeah, because uh, at the same time where he didn't like he he didn't kill his father in the movie. Right. And most of the uh, characters right, they were oh, kind sorry, of pro- oh I'm sorry. <laughs> Most of the characters that he killed in the film were, you know, presented as pretty, like, most of them were, like, negative. Like, well, I mean, not all of them, though. And, and the one the one in particular, I think, you know, they showed that he actually remorse for him and didn't treat him, oh, yeah, didn't treat him as the he same as the other ones. That. Right. Yep. And the girlfriend was a little different. I think she saw them all as the same. Mm-hmm. Right. Well, she had that transformation, too, and it was really kind of interesting to see that. Mm-hmm. You know, like as, as like as it progresses, like she becomes, you know, a lot more like cold blooded than than Todd is. Actually. Right. Once she loses her um, her beauty, mm-hmm. and she doesn't have like the the love of life anymore, and she kind of think I think she's as a way as getting back at you know for her uh, losing her beauty is mm-hmm. getting revenge on these on um, these guys. Definitely, definitely. Uh I don't know. Overall, I enjoyed the entire picture. Uh, I thought uh, the pacing of it was pretty, pretty much you know, well paced all the way through the film. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it didn't rush anything. Mm-hmm. It took time to tell a story, but you know, of everybody involved. Mm-hmm. Uh, one, one, they do a lot of nice little tricks or, or little things in the movie. One of my favorites is uh, when they do the cuts between Todd in his business outfit with the wig and the proper clothing on to him in the basement in the apron with the mm-hmm. bald head. You have the switch from the socially acceptable person who nobody looks at to what I guess I was calling the work clothes. Mm. Yeah, basically. Yep. Yep. Yeah. It was, it was so, it was uh, so different from, uh, you know, he's got the, he's got the wig and, and then when he's just like totally clean shaven from, you know, his whole head, his whole mm. face, it was, it was like a drastic change, really. Yeah. I definitely want to say something, you know, if we can slam a different era <laughs> in that time, in that timeline. I'm glad I didn't live back then because, good Lord, what were they thinking? <laughs> Powdered wigs and and shaving your head bald. and uh, Yeah, I'm, I'm pretty glad I didn't live during that era. Now, like, yep, all these women had all these fluffy dress. Yeah, I, mean, yeah, I, I want, I want, I want like a, you know, I want like a Something nice you could just rip off. off shirt. Yeah, <laughs> not all yeah, just well, going through these layers and layers. Yeah, like, when they went to have sex, I mean that they were there for like eons, just taking off all all the clothes. <laughs> but I mean, you know, he was, she was, you know, uh, going to town on him. He was, uh, he was in the mood anymore. I think it was because all the clothes, not because he yeah, was psycho. Two hours later, right? Right. right. He did just pull out the razor then. So, oh, that's good. <laughs> <laughs>
I have to, I have to say too. Uh, I thought it was uh, some really cool looking uh, throat slashes. Yeah, but, uh, I know um, you, you don't have to have gore in a movie, but I'll admit I, I like some gore in a movie. <laughs> no, I quit. <laughs> but it, it was kind of like old school gore, though. You know, it was like old yeah, it wasn't, wasn't gratuitous. Uh, yeah, yeah, it wasn't gratuitous at all. It was pretty much you know. I mean, it was kind of showing the ugliness of it too. You know, he's cutting mm. this guy's throat. Right. In Rob Zombie's Sweeney Todd, we would have him hacking up the bodies in the basement and you would be seeing the limbs he's ever. But in this, they have a, <laughs> Crap they, have, they, 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 they approached the gore very artistically and made it meaningful. Yeah. Um, he's worked excellently. And yeah, mm-hmm. I was, I was actually surprised because of how crisp the, the film was, the mm-hmm. first throat slash. I wasn't yeah. expecting to see that much. No, that, right. it, it, the first time it happened, it was pretty shocking. And then I like it when he, you know, when he's hacking up the bodies in the basement because it's really matter of fact. He's not, he's not doing it as a psycho. It's kind of like you know, I got to do this to get rid of the body. Kind of like he's hacking up yeah, a piece of meat. He's a workman type guy, on the, you know, doing that end of it. Yeah. Which you know, in a, in a way, that's that's pretty scary in itself. That um, somebody you know would kill somebody and get rid of the body and just hack it up and not you know think of it really. Definitely, definitely. And I guess where, like, he was a barber and stuff, eh, there was, like, scenes in the movie where, you know, he was cutting at the joints rather than, you know, trying to hack through it and everything. Right. So, like, you know, it was really precise. And mm-hmm. then uh, I think, like, David Warner, the de- detective, he even said, like, something, like, perhaps a uh, surgeon or something like that. Mm-hmm. I forget what, what the line was, but it was really interesting. Yeah, I really enjoyed this film though because yeah. I've, I've never heard the tale before. I've never, uh, and uh, just you know, the story. I thought it was really well done. I, I'm kind of like per- perplexed that I, it, there's a there's a musical about this man. <laughs> <laughs> well, but, I mean, it's completely different. It, I mean, there's a lot to be said for it too. It, it's very well done. I, I'll have I don't to check it out. Anyone to think that I'm I'm like I'm bagging on that because I'm not. Uh, yeah, I'm, I'm very curious too. I believe Troy's let me borrow it. Uh, probably about a year ago. I think I have it out here, and, and I never walk, got around to watch it. And now after seeing that one, I definitely gotta check this out. Well, it'll freak you out because Mrs. Lovett in that is um oh Angela Lansbury. Really? Yep. Yep. Oh. Uh, I don't want to see. Is Angela Lansbury like banging a bunch of dudes? No, no, no. Oh, this is one that's very different in that one. Oh, okay. I don't know if I was I was uh, into watching that one or not. <laughs> You'd be loving you, it. <laughs> how can you pass up a film where the lady from Murder She Wrote makes meat pies out of murder victims? <laughs> that's true. And yeah, that's fine. About it. I mean, right. That's some good stuff. Right. As long as she's that not like packing. Yeah, I just don't want to see her like packing some meat for, from no, the victims no. <laughs> prior. Has anybody ever ate a meat pie? <laughs> Do they even make them anymore? Never again. I, I, I think they do. Like in, a chicken pot pie. That's the same. I thing. think they're they're really big still in like Australia and uh, European countries. Really? Yeah. Like I, I know chicken pot pie, but like I don't know. Just like where they'd pie. have like haggis. They were pretty big. Those pies too. Yeah. Well, there's a great pie. song in the musical about when, when um, Mrs. Lovett first comes up with the idea, and she offers the pie to Todd and she has this whole musical thing about try the priest and it's a great song it's it's just awesome 
and they go through like the whole like menu of different like um people that you could be eating at that time. It's very clever, really, really. Good. You definitely yeah. sold me on the musical. I, I've, I've got to check this out. Now. Yep. Uh, anything else? I mean, uh, closing uh, words on the uh, on Sweeney Todd. Definitely check it out. The 2006 Sweeney Todd is the title uh, for the BBC. Is where it was originally shown, but I believe you can pick it up on DVD now. So, yep, definitely worth. Yeah, uh, it's on Amazon. Yeah, yeah, definitely worth checking out. Ray Winston's the man, and yeah, he he delivers an an incredibly enticing performance. You you can't. He is he's silent and he's staring at you, or he's staring off in his face. But at the same time, you can't look away from him. He can make the most it's mundane true. thing seem so great. Yeah, real subtle performance, just yeah, really, really good. Yeah, it's it's definitely not over the top, which I, I kind of think probably the, the new one will be. Which I mean, oh, yeah. that that's might not necessarily be a bad thing. It might be good too in its own way. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you got you got Johnny Depp and you got Tim Burton and you got I think the guy from Borat. Probably not going to be the same as this. <laughs> well, the the Borat character will be great though because he's like he's his rival barber. And um and so like he he's got a great musical like sequence going on too. Oh man, it's I'm a big fan. I'm a big Italian fan. Italian barber. Right. Do, do they have the big naked dude in it too? From Borat. I I wish I wish he was in it. He might be. You never know. Right. Uh, but uh, I want to see Sweeney Todd versus Borat, <laughs> like Frankenstein versus the Wolfman. Right. Well, we forgot to ask uh, Carl that. I know someone posted it in the message board what he thought of uh, Frankenstein vs. the Wolfman movie. That's something I just want to recommend to everybody out there. The um, Those box sets of the Universal Movie Monsters. Oh, yeah. Yeah, they're, they're really great stuff. I have all sets. And then the Fly one's coming out soon. Oh, it's really? Not, yeah. How many Flies did they do? Three, which two. I didn't know. Yeah, oh. three. Is Price three, in all three? I'm not. I'm not a positive. Three black and white, or is this counting the remake? No, it's not the. It doesn't have any of the re, the remake or the really? sequel to the remake. Yeah. Huh. I feel like an amateur every time I say this, but I regret to inform everybody I have not seen the fly. You've not so, seen the original fly. I know the gold bloom fly, but I don't. <laughs> I don't know the Vincent Price fly. Oh so. man, that's a classic. I know. Oh, I know. I check it out. Help me. Yep, you have David Hedison stuck in the web. I am Brumdolfi. <laughs> <laughs> Not the, the remake. It's all right, but I I think the uh, the original just uh, kicks its ass. I despise the remake. <laughs> you oh. hate the remake. Not a That's Cronenberg film. One of my least favorite movies. <laughs> I will say, like for the sake of gross out. Yeah, no, with the return of the, the the Fly Two, I thought that was like pulling teeth, but like. The first one I like pretty well. I like some Cronenberg flicks, but I don't know. I have to check out the originals because I always hate it whenever something comes up and I've never seen it. Right. So you just basically have to go watch every movie ever made. Basically. Just just in case we bring up something. I'm just going to start bullshitting you all. Be like, yeah, I've seen it. (laughs) We never know. That one's so good. Disagree with us. It's highly overrated. I'm surprised. Sure, sure. I've been surprised that he's overrated. <laughs> oh, man. What's he ever done? Yeah, just, he's like Richard Bayside. I remember him from, you know, Journey to the 
Ocean's Core, whatever the hell a goofy show was. Right. Now, and I was watching the Madman recently, which just came out on DVD. And uh, in the commentary, they actually mentioned that they tried to get Vincent Price for the role of, like, the uh, the camp leader. Mm-hmm. Oh, no way. Which would have been cool in a way, but I can't really see Vincent Price as, like, this camp leader sitting out, like, in the woods <laughs> telling kids, like, camp stories. Oh, that would rule, though. Yeah, that's my. that sounds like a dream right there. <laughs> I would huh? go to that camp. Who, yeah, who wouldn't go to that? I'd go to that camp right now. Oh, yeah, well, I would, but at the same time, I don't know if it would have really fit the movie. I haven't seen that movie. It's supposed to be like upstate New York, and they'd have like this uh, this this old English guy as the camp leader. Yeah, but remember, like in the fog, they have um, oh, who is it? John Houseman at the beginning telling the little story. Yeah, that's true. Think, yeah, that was that was a great scene. Mm-hmm. I actually rewatched that recently you know, before we had Deed Cundy on, and uh, when I was a kid, I really disliked that movie. But uh, I gotta say, it's a pretty good movie. Like it's what the, the the remake was just garbage. I don't know why yeah, they even made that. Got to remake everything. Oh no. Well, if you're gonna remake, at least make you know make something good. Why remake it? And just make garbage. I don't understand. You know, I'll admit there are a whole lot of movies I've never seen. I've never seen either Fog. Oh my oh, god. Oh really? Yeah. I have you ever seen Fog? Don't I ever seen Fog? Driven through Fog. <laughs> My my uncle swears this one time that they were driving over a bridge and uh, it was in fog and there was a uh, headlights coming towards them that, or behind them and then they went through the fog and then there was no more headlights. Oh, awesome! We hmm. just got the audio book of um oh, I forget what it's called. Ryan probably knows what James Herbert um, fog. No, the um the King one. It's something about oh what the hell was the myth. The mess, that's it. Yep. Yeah, okay. Well, that's fun. I think they've been trying to make a movie it, out yeah. of it for the last decade. Really? Yeah. Oh. oh. I, just want to let oh I just want to know we asked somebody else on the line. we got Raul Duke here. What's up, guys? Hey, guy. How you doing? I just called you guy. Yeah. Hey, guys. <laughs> it's going great. How about you guys? Not doing good? So what's on your mind there, Raul? First of all, obviously, I want to say a great interview with uh, with Carl Bybolt. Is that how you say his name? I, I probably got that totally wrong. Tebow. Okay, good. Yeah. I didn't. I wasn't. Unfortunately, I wasn't able to listen to the whole thing. By the time the interview started, I was called out on a feline emergency with my cat. He had brought in a a giant rat, and I had to take care of that. Oh, oh man! I did catch the tail end of the interview. No pun intended. And it was thoroughly enjoyable. I will definitely check out the archive. But I just want oh, to say cool. no, again, Carl actually. When we had him on, his dogs were barking in the background. Maybe your cat heard. Maybe. Yeah, because he has so he has. Got, yeah, he's got a husky wolf and a uh, like a German shepherd. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I don't. I would say from New Hampshire. This is a that. the strangest thing though. It's like whenever a cat kills an animal and like brings it to you, it's mm-hmm. bringing you a dinner. I've heard this. Yeah. <laughs> so you're supposed to pet oh, yeah. the cat and say, "Good kitty." But, yeah, <laughs> I've had my cat stuff. for four years, and he has no idea what my appetite is. So he's <laughs> he's failed as far as I'm concerned. I mean, I don't eat frogs. I don't eat mice. I, I don't eat crows. He bought in a crow the other day, and I was like, "Get rid of that!" And he was just Whoa. like, Shit. "There's uh, you got a good hunting cat." Oh yeah, I think he bought in a hooker once as well. Was it dead? No. Oh, <laughs> did did you tell him you're getting closer? Maybe? <laughs> I was like almost, but uh. You know, once again, it's just like high school. 
But uh, you know, actually, a quick uh, t- story about my uh, my former cafe. Faye the Grace Drake in the house one day. Now she's here to stay. Which was her name? But uh, at one time I was sleeping in my room and I heard her outside. She'd actually scratch on the door when she wanted in, and so I got up and opened the door and left her in. And I went back to bed. And this was before I had LASIK, so I had pretty bad eyesight. And I just saw her run in, and I left my door open, and she jumped up in the bed and was laying there purring, and I was petting her while I was like going back to sleep. And then I felt something. I looked up, and here she had this dead mouse with her. And she brought it to bed with me. She was all excited, purring and purring. And I went and threw it outside. And I think she just, yeah, she just kind of gave me a look, like you know, it's the last time I bring you anything. Well, my cat Sylvester has given me more trouble than I can remember. I mean, when I first got him, like I've always like gave him props for being like low maintenance, you know, kind of take care of himself, very independent, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. But when I first got him, he used to like I used to be asleep. And this is back in college, and he, I would wake up with him on my face, like, trying to suffocate me. I had this, like, paranoia. He was secretly trying to kill me. And, uh, like, literally a day later that after that happened, I woke up, and he was, he was like, right in front of me. And, of course, you know, what you're like when you first wake up, you know, not quite sure, like, what right. reality is. I look at him, and he opens his mouth, and this bird just flies out, drawing <laughs> my face, and like, literally bites me on the forehead. And I'm just like, what the fuck? <laughs> Well, you didn't realize it, but there was a troll that was stealing your breath moments before (laughs) the cat got up there. He saved your life. Was he listening to the police at the same time? Did he get rid of him by playing a police record? Is that like how he killed it? That would get rid of me. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Troy probably remembers this when we were kids, actually. Uh, And Samson brought home a... Yeah, a whole-sized rabbit, which was probably bigger than he was. And we actually tried to take it away from him, but he was—he uh, would like growl and try to bite us. Oh, he was and he's, none of that. Yeah, and he sat there all day long and ate the whole thing except for like the tail. Yeah. He just sat there all day on our well, steps eating well, he it. Was the, he was the ultimate like hunter cat. He wasn't a provider cat. He wouldn't save you anything to eat. He'd no. just bring home a trophy. Right. Like <laughs> if he killed a blue jay, he'd bring you home some feathers. Mm-hmm. You know, things and the, like that. The squirrels, like, he would always leave the tail, the big long tail. Yeah, just just to show you he killed some, he's proud of himself, but he wasn't saving you shit. Mm-hmm. You weren't getting nothing or what he I mean it took him basically the whole day because the I, I would swear that rabbit was his size or maybe even a little bit bigger. It and he sat there all day long on the steps eating it. It was pretty it was uh, like general wound work. <laughs> yeah, it's pretty That's strange bad. you know, as a kid, but mm-hmm. Strange that societies, the, the cat society, where they go around and just kill whatever they want. And then <laughs> you get into the okay. human society, and you, you can't, you can't, you can't go and kill anything. Yeah, they frown on it. Yeah, I mean, I guess we eat a lot of meat, but like, oh, right. I mean, you have to give cats their props because they are very badass, you know, animals. I mean, oh hell, yeah. I mean, you, I mean, a cat can go to a park, a public park, you know, kids everywhere, people walking their dogs, swings, and everything, and they can sleep under a tree. I mean, I tried to do that once, and all I did was get funny looks. It was like, and and like the cat is like the only, old, you know. I got trampled on by a bunch of lacrosse players. It was ridiculous. Like, I mean, a cat does it, and they think, cool, that's okay. But I try to do it. And just, and the society condones like cats sleeping on the trees, but humans, yeah. they want any of it. Right. I can't. I can't go dig a hole and take and take a leak in it either outside. Exactly. Public yeah, urination can't. should be like a pastime. Cats you don't even mind. dig a hole. Explore it. No, I don't. I just kind of whip it out. You you can't though. You can't live life like a cat though. You know, it's like mass murderer, multiple rapists. You know, people <laughs> frown on this when you're a person. I think we do. Cat, it's perfectly fine. 
I, I do think we got a uh, we got a cool horror movie here. Someone's got some type of a beast that's living under underneath their uh, deck, and it brings home trophies. And it could be people. Go. I like it. Uh, what do you think there, Inchman? No. Johnny. <laughs> Johnny Cakes. What? <laughs> Is he changing his name again on us? No, no, no. Oh, okay. I didn't know if that was going to be like a, a weekly event, like a different name. <laughs> no, 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 no. <laughs> uh, did you have any questions, uh, Raul, before we just went off into the cats? Ah, oh, that's perfectly fine. I love cats. I love talking about cats. Whenever you want to talk about cats, I'm there. But yeah, I did, a, I did actually have a, a, two things. First of all, you were talking about the BBC adaption of Sweeney Todd. I'm a big fan of, uh, of the story. I haven't seen the BBC adaption, but, uh, oh, after you, oh, after you guys gave it, it's, it's Stambler, after your, your Stambler approval, I definitely have to check it out. And I'm a big fan of, uh, Ray Winstone. You know, I think he's a very underrated actor. Loved him in The Departed. Loved him in Scum. I loved him in Neil by Mouse. So I'd definitely be checking it out. But, uh, I actually want to know, there's like another BBC adaption. It's, I, I don't know if it, I think it's currently airing. I think it's in its final episode sometime next week. And it's the, uh, it's like a BBC adap- adaption of, uh, Dr. Jekyll and Mr. Hyde. Have you, has, has it oh, been airing no. over there? No. no. Oh, well, um, well, I've caught, I caught one episode and I'm a big fan of the story and I caught one episode and I have to say I absolutely loved it. Like, uh, it's, it's not necessarily like a, an adaption. It's more like a, a follow-up without, you know, if you've read the original story, you know, Hyde commits suicide at the end and stuff. That it's kind of like that. It takes it takes on from that without the ending, and it's like a modern modern retelling in London. And it's got James Nesbitt in, who's actually quite a quite an entertaining actor. He was in another another series over here where he played an undercover police officer. And he was really good. Um, I've only caught one episode, and obviously I didn't want to continue watching it because I think it's like the third episode. I didn't want to like you know I wanted to watch it from the beginning and, and watch. Right. So I'll be picking up when it comes out. I just wanted to say if you guys if if, if it airs over there, if it's on DVD on sale, I would you know just just say you know pick it up if you if you enjoyed uh, if you enjoy the story like I do. And, yeah, definitely. Uh, I mean, I just recommend it. That's just what I'm saying. And my other thing was uh, earlier on, you were talking about Stephen King stories. I wanted to know, had you read the, uh, had you read Rage, and would you think it would make a, a good, a good movie adaption? Would you think it would, it would be able to transfer well to the screen? Rage is the school shooting one. Mm-hmm. The, yeah. the, the black one. Yeah. Yeah. I don't think that any that any studio in the United States would make that into a no. film. I think it could be a very provocative film. Oh, I um, think it would be excellent too. Uh, well, I mean, they they made Elephant, and that was kind of that was based solely off Columbine. So I mean, it's I mean, but it, it wasn't really like a mainstream movie, though. Right. I don't think it really got no. like uh, I don't think it really went to uh, the box office. Well, I mean, not necessarily like a, a big studio release. I mean, just kind of transferring from you know pages, you know, from words on a book to to you know being able to watch it on a television screen. Not like an in, in, even if it's an independent movie, do you think that it would uh, it would make a good movie? Yeah, I'd I love to see it. But I think, like, even King's kind of disown that story. He's just, I don't think you even get it in, like, if you get, like, a collective Bachman Tales, I, I don't think they have it in there anymore. Oh, no, yeah, you're right, because I, I actually did get the uh, the Bachman books, which was uh, The Running Man, uh, Rage, and the other one, you know, he's, like, Walking oh, Home. Oh, like yeah. The Long uh, Walk the, or something? Uh, the Long Walk. The which Long Walk Stand by one me. of my favorite yeah. stories. Love that. I, I love, oh, I love Stand By Me. I yeah. absolutely love that. That would be my <laughs> favorite. Oh, what King King adaptation? Oh, I'm I'm I'd in the love same to boat. see that trans, you know, transferred into like a film. That would be the best. I, think. Mm-hmm. I love that story. I just think it's so clever. 
Yeah, well, I actually had Dark Horse Attack. I had to go to a, a charity store, a, a, a nation store to buy it because they weren't selling it. They weren't stocking it in the uh, Barnes and Noble and, and stuff like that. So, yeah, you, you are kind of, I mean, I didn't know that he disowned it necessarily, but I do know yeah. that it was, it's very hard to kind of buy it in like a, in like a, on play or Amazon or whatever. Yeah, you actually had to go to like a, a charity store to buy it. So, I mean, I, I just, I just asked that because I'm a big fan of the, the book as well. Um, and I just wanted to, I love the store. Just mm-hmm. See, uh, a kid who committed a school shooting somewhere in the United States had a copy of the rage in his locker. Oh, and really? After mm-hmm. Stephen King found out about that, he pulled all the strings possible to pull the book out of the ring oh. because he, he felt terrible that he might have in some way contributed to that boy doing that and could not. And, in his own mind, wanted want. Um, I had to get it at a secondhand bookstore as well. I found it actually mm-hmm. not at secondhand, but at um, Salvation Army. Oh, uh, or uh, uh, anyway, uh, and hmm. because King was was so affected by, uh, or King was so adamant about pulling the book out. I would imagine that it would be very difficult to get it adapted. If it was adapted, I think it could make an extremely provocative film. Um, yeah, I think they're probably, like, you know, they're probably, you know, nowadays if uh, if it's really controversial or something like that, they probably want to get away from putting that out because, you know, uh, people are lawsuit crazy. Yeah. Oh, yeah, definitely. And I suppose recently with the uh, the Virginia Tech shootings as well, that's you know still in a lot of like, right. minds. So yeah, it's all fresh, right? Mm-hmm. See, I, I found that out, and I didn't even—I I didn't realize this until probably two years ago uh, about the whole, you know, like King, you know, just kind of severing ties with the story. Because um, B has an old copy; it's like mm-hmm. all four of the Bachmans together. And right. I was letting a kid borrow it, and because he wanted to read The Running Man, because he had seen the movie, and I'm like, oh, it's nothing like the story. And so he was reading that, and his teacher was all over him because it also contained rage in that, you know, in the same, uh, right. I think it was like a four, yeah, it was like all four of the boxes. Yeah, rage, the long walk, road work, yeah. and the running man. Mm-hmm. Yeah, right, the right. One. And, um, and, oh, he got into big trouble. He, you know, like, they suspended him and stuff, and I'm like, come on now, this is a little crazy. This is kind of like book burning. So right. in the story the kid was reading, you know. You should you shouldn't get in trouble for reading a book anyway. I, no. I think that's ridiculous. That's, that's actually very interesting because I actually wrote a essay on the uh, on the story in high school and there was like no real objection to it. And I mean I know that it's probably like a, a bigger thing in America. Obviously there's more school shootings over there than there is over here. But I mean, I wrote an essay on it, and I actually got a, an A in it, which was like my first A in a long time. Um, and there wasn't any objections to it. And it's just because that was I'd, I'd I'd found the book, I'd found the, I'd, I'd bought the book, and I'd, I'd fell in love with it. And uh, I'd, I'd, I'd no no idea that they had like you know, Columbine and stuff and stuff like that, mm-hmm. that like same manner. Um, so I I only found out about it after I'd wrote the essay, and obviously like I I you know but there was no objections to it from the uh, the school point of view. So it's kind of interesting. Right. Yeah, you will. Uh, as, as much as I can understand uh, the author feeling awful about a, a mm-hmm. shooter having the book, I think that it is completely childish or petulant to pester any anyone at any age who's who's reading the book of their own free will. Mm-hmm. Uh, uh, I think if you're if you've got the mind to go and commit a murder or any kind of crime, I think you'll you know you're going to find your inspiration in anything. 
Oh yeah, yeah, absolutely. It's like when they blame kind of they, they blame all these like when okay, there was a there was a thing over here where two teenagers that were like fourteen, thirteen, I can't remember what their names were, the exact age range, and they 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 kidnapped a, a a baby from a from a shopping mall and they put him on like they they did some horrific things, but they they ran they when they investigated they ran through all these things and they blamed like into like they blamed video games, they blamed uh, uh, movies, they blamed you know books, all these all these kind of stuff, and then you have to think that. I mean, if, if someone's capable of doing something like that, if someone's obviously got mental issues, you know, some mental, mm-hmm. you know, um, um, like anything that's going to set them off, you know, any, any, anything at all, you know, anything, any, any kind of subject matter, any, you know, any form of media, oh, anything, because yeah. if, if, if they're screwed up in the head, it's like, I mean, and another thing, they should, they should blame the parents because obviously they've allowed right. them to, they, well, they, they've introduced them. That's to what these they never blame. Yeah, they I, never blame the parents. I think, um, you know, like the whole point of uh, the Blame Canada song from the South Park movie, people might just think that's a funny song or whatever. But I actually think it's got a lot of uh, meaning behind it because it's kind of like just pass the buck and blame anything except for where, you know, blame should be pe- should be uh, laid. And so, you know, blame something that has nothing to do with anything. Oh, let's blame Canada. And if you listen to the lyrics, uh, I think it's more than just like a funny song. I think actually uh, it's uh, kind of a social uh, satire. Mm-hmm. The song yeah. I mean, it started off by parents. Mm-hmm. Right. No, no, I kind of think like acts like you know school shootings and everything else. I don't know if you can necessarily blame anybody for that though. Oh, I mean, no, no, no. I'm, I'm except for the people who do it. No, obviously, yeah. but I mean, rather than kind of blaming into, like, you know, they, they blame Child's Play 3 for the uh, for, right. for, for the thing I was talking about, which is, like, absolutely ridiculous. Mm-hmm. And it's like, you know, I mean, okay, I don't blame, obviously, you, you have to blame the person, even though these are just kids that did this. So they obviously, I mean, like, why, I mean, a parent, a capable parent shouldn't introduce or allow their children to watch something that obviously isn't suitable for them. And that, that's that's what I'm sort of like saying. I mean, I'm, I'm not saying the parents did anything wrong. I mean, who, who knows? Maybe they maybe they didn't know that like they were you know viewing these kind of materials. Maybe they had no idea. Still, I mean, I, I actually you know my mother used to take me to uh, the drive-ins to see uh, R-rated movies and horror movies ever since I could remember. You know, and I've never even been in a fight or I've never killed anyone. Or um, I think anytime you blame something, um, it's kind of silly because millions of people watch these movies. If if watching a movie or reading a book or a song made you want to kill somebody, then, you know, millions of people would do it. Mm -hmm, Exactly. It's like, um, Charles Manson, you know, he, he got his, uh, you know, he, he did what he did based off a Beatles song. Right. Right. Well, remember says (laughs) it always used to, used to be, um, the challenger book. It was always, uh, Oh, Catcher in the Rye. Yeah. Right. That's, that's that my used favorite to be book the ever. thing, you know. It's like, oh, it had to be that book. Right. Yeah. They they blamed John Lennon being shot because the uh, the dude that killed him, Mark David Chapman, he had a copy. He was reportedly mm-hmm. obsessed with the novel. But I mean, there's nothing in there to suggest you know go kill a famous pop star. Oh, exactly. Right. Right. You know, I, that's my favorite book of all time. I've read it cover to cover like a, a lot, like you know, thirty times at least. And I've never had the urge to go kill out, you know, kill anyone. Right. Um, yeah, I mean, I, if if you're gonna do that, I think you know you've obviously got some problems of your own, and it's not something that that uh, a movie made you go do it, or reading a book made you go do it. You're right. you're gonna do it anyway. 
Exactly, like they 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 banned manhunt too. Or they they, they they apparently in Australia they uh they banned they banned manhunt. They stopped stocking manhunt because apparently some kid over here in England once again they uh, they decided to go play a game of real manhunt in the park with a hammer. And then I have to say like, what? Why would you allow someone once again to play that game that was obviously it's, it's got the eighteen rating for a reason? It's, you know, thoroughly grotesque. Right. It's it's very very adult content. And they uh they allowed their they allowed their children to go play in the park with a hammer. It's like you know. It's, it's ridiculous. Right. I mean, I'm not saying Why the game you? isn't violent. It's very violent. Like, uh, I mean, I'm not going to list individual stuff in here, but it's very, very. You know, I wouldn't, if I was a father, I wouldn't let like uh, my son play well, that yeah, if he was but... you know, 16, 15, and and right. I knew that he could, you know, take something like that without going insane. Um, but a lot of times, uh, though, like, when I'm you're like, a kid, though, you don't you don't like t- go tell your parents, hey, I'm going to go play in the woods with a hammer. You know, well, no, but I mean, they, they, yeah, I mean, I used to take caps, uh, we go in like a cap gun. I take the big, the big roll, the old paper ones. I don't know if you remember those. They were like in a big roll. I would take, you know, big boxes of those and then take a hammer and we would go out in the woods and just smash them on rocks. And, you know, I was probably like 10 or something. Well, I mean, what I mean was is that when they investigated this, they, the, the parents turned and said they bought the game, but they were expecting the, the person that sold them the game, the people in the clerk in the uh, in the video game store, to turn around and say this is a bad game. But I mean, it's like I mean, they they admitted they bought the game, like knowing there was an eight, it had an eighteen rating on it, and they knew that it was uh, you know you could just tell by the cover it's obviously not a game you allow your you know children to play. Right. Oh, I thought you were talking about the movie. Oh no no! The, it was a video oh, game. It was, uh, it was like okay, kind of a story. It's, it's kind of it's based off manhunt, you know, kind of you mm-hmm. know, you're chasing down, you're, you're running, you have to you know, kind of human hunting in a way. And I mean, if you just look at the cover, it's got some dude wearing a hockey mask. It's bloodstained. I mean, what is the the original uh, Red Dragon movie? Is it called Manhunt? Manhunter? Manhunter. Yeah. Yeah. Manhunter. Um, I, I didn't notice this until I was watching a special edition last night that uh, Tom Noonan, who plays uh, Frankenstein. Monster in um, in the Monster Squad, he plays. He was the uh, the Francis. killer. He's the killer in. Uh, mm-hmm. yeah. Yeah. I didn't realize that was yeah. the same guy either. Yeah, that's oh. pretty cool. He was also uh, the the bad guy in RoboCop Two and the the bad guy in the Last Action Hero, which was which really scared me as a kid. <laughs> the Last Action Hero. I remember people hating that movie, but uh, I liked it when I was a kid. <laughs> oh yeah, I, I loved it. But I mean, people who hated the movie. Huh? I love that movie when I was a kid. I remember hating the people who hated the movie. Yeah. <laughs> the villain <Right>. rock. <laughs> it's, it's awesome. I mean, like, he's wearing the, uh, you know, the yellow raincoat, uh, the yellow raincoat, and he's, like, walking around the axe. <laughs> oh, yeah. That was him yeah. either. Yeah. yeah. How, can, how can anyone hate that? <laughs> I, remember, no, I remember at the time, though, uh, I, that was kind of the time, I think, when people started turning on, uh, on, on Arnold Schwarzenegger. Yeah. But, um... And he sees the, the Terminator 2 starring Sylvester Stallone in the video store. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, we're going to wrap up the show now. Uh, well, thank everybody for tuning in. It was the most enjoyable show. Yeah, yeah thanks. Let me call in. Yeah, thanks but everybody for calling in. Enjoyable show. Cool. Thank uh, Carl, Carl Thibault. Is that how you say it there, Troy? You got it. All right, from uh, Monster Squad and The Garage. And you can check it out at The Garage movie.com and you can check out the Monster Squad on DVD now and you check for and eBay soon you'll be selling some Monster Squad merchandise excellent excellent alrighty everybody I've had a blast <laughs> uh. <laughs> <laughs> <laughs>
This is Larry Zerner, Shelley from Friday 13 Part 3, and you're listening to WithoutYourHead.com.